Have you ever wanted to discover what's missing in your life? Metaphysics is available to all and is part of your life even if you don't know it. Welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil with Barb Crowley. Together we'll explore the mysteries behind metaphysics and how to use it to have a deeper understanding and advantage in life. And now here's your host, Barb Crowley. Hi, this is Barb Crowley and welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil. Today we're going to talk to C.J. Llewellyn who has a master's degree and has worked with clients overcoming trauma, addictions, and eating disorders in both treatment centers and private practice. She utilizes polyvagal theory, energy, psychology, and knowledge of the chakras and subtle energies in her work. She has a Reiki master. She is a Reiki master in the lineage of Dr. Mikhail Yusai, Usui. Usui. Thank you. I, I should have checked uh, okay. with you before I tried. <laughs> I'm, anyway, I'm throwing a lot of complicated show. names at you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't do this. Including my own. <laughs> so welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here. I am so impressed with your book. I, you know, as, as I said, I haven't gotten into it enough. I've, I've been reading it and loving it. Chakras and the vagus nerve. But let's yeah. start with what is vagus nerve? Oh, that vagus nerve, the wandering nerve. Vagus is actually um, um, the, the word for wandering. It is that nerve that runs throughout our whole system. It starts in our brain and it starts, uh, it, it, it wanders through our uh, eyes, and our throat, heart, all down through our central nervous system into our, I mean, into our uh, spine. And it is the longest nerve in the body. And what it does is really more important. It is, it is our wiring that determines how we are in the world. So in other words, it determines safety factors for us. It helps us engage um, with each other as human beings. Um, it can shut us down when things are getting overwhelming, we've been talking about stress off air. Um, and so it, it helps us keep us safe by indicating if we are safe or not. And I like to say it stores data points, if that makes any sense at all. Um, it stores information from previous experiences connected to the brain. So it's the, the brain and the vagus nerve are communicating constantly, a sort of an up and a down communication. Um, and it's, it's trying to determine, it's trying to keep us safe is really what it is. It's trying to see, keep us safe either through connection or through fight or flight. Like you and I were talking about earlier as well, and, <laughs> yeah. or dorsal vagal. I can break that down a little bit more. I feel like I'm a little all over the place to start with, but before um, you go into it, how did you, how did you get into the vagus nerve before so we, it, we get into the science of it and all? Yeah, thank you for asking that. Actually, it came from me working with trauma. That that's been my uh, that's what's led me through my work as a therapist. Um, and I started study. I do EMDR. I'm an EMDR therapist, uh, which uses eye movement to help process trauma through the system. And as a result, that led me into a theory called polyvagal theory. Uh, Stephen Porges, P-O-R-G-E-S. Uh, he's, he's been um, very well known and he's, uh, there's been a lot of attention on his work over the last, you know, publicly over the last 10, 15 years uh, because mm -hmm. he's the one that really was able to decipher how our vagus nerve actually presents sometimes into what we think is emotion. Anyway, so I, I, we, I think as trauma therapists, we were seeing the difference between actual emotion and a physiological response based on knowledge of a previous trauma. What looks sometimes like, uh, like emotion um, is actual physiological response in the system. So Which is started... a relief in many ways because people think, why can't I get yes. over this? Why can't I you know, control this or why do I react? You know, we blame ourselves so much and think we have control. And yet what you're saying is it's physical. 
We it don't is. have control. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because I think that once we start really understanding this, it takes the shame out of some of our responses. Mm-hmm. Um, what feels like emotion sometimes in the system is not emotion. Emotion has a softer feel to it. Even the the more so-called difficult ones, you know, those feeling tones of sadness, um, anger, they still have a softness and a depth to them. But those trauma responses that are stored in their system are they have a punch to them they're they're sharper they have they shut us down they they engage us sometimes inappropriately because they're mm-hmm. deciphering that there may be a, um, a situation that's dangerous because of past experiences right that isn't dangerous or sometimes it does the opposite because there's been so much danger in a person's life that they don't know what the bar is. If if you you know want to look at it that way, they don't know that this is a dangerous situation because they've been in higher dangerous situations. They've lost their ability to to recognize. Yeah, to yeah. discern. Yeah, yeah. So this is a hit that throws you into, and you know, I could be dead wrong on this. So, um, but I I kind of think of it as a hit that throws you into an automatic knee-jerk response that lo- it may no longer be correct. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. It may never have been correct. <laughs> right, or at one time was correct. You know, if if especially if you grew up uh, around a chaotic family, a violent family, a verbally abusive, where maybe no one was ever hit with their hands, but there was a lot of abuse going on, a lot of gaslighting, a lot of uncertainty, where in some form or another, the adults taking care of you were not safe. Mm-hmm. So your central nervous system starts gauging because as kids, you know, we don't have much power, right? We're, we're very much at the hands of the adults and those who are taking care of us. So yeah, we, we may have, that was at one point um, a way to adapt. But then as we get older, those reactions are no longer uh, appropriate, needed, but but they're there. They're in the system. They're they're part of how we learn to attach and how we are now continuing to attach. Well, we don't need to be that way. Do and we then? Like and this might be a little sideways, but do we then recreate situations to uh, make our responses okay? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know that I don't think that's sideways at all because we do get into these feedback right? Um, They could be positive feedback loops, they could be negative feedback loops. But you know, our brain uh, is is part of the system, because the vagus nerve comes from the cranial, the 10th cranial nerve, which is up here in the brain. So, so the brain is also imprinting, and pulling in information and deciphering, right? So sometimes we do recreate what's familiar to us. That's the that's the to me, the the interesting work with just helping people work through and clear out their traumas so that they can engage differently in, in adult relationships. Uh, but yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. There is a, there's a, a, a familiarity that happens in relationships and situations and, you know, that whole, why do I keep getting myself into this situation with these kinds of people? This right. familiar. Or attract the same people that you, you don't want really. Yeah. Yes. But there they are again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's an imprint. Yeah. It's like an imprint in our system. And, and we're responding accordingly. We're responding to what's familiar. So um, tell us, do you want to tell us a little bit of the um, science or should yeah. we go there or right into the chakras or what do you think? So um, I'll tell you a little first so that we don't get too much in the weeds and people are like, oh, my gosh, what are you talking about? The reason that I started pulling in the chakras with this is because I saw through the processing while I was in the middle of my EMDR, my internal family systems. Or and the EMDR energy. is the bar that has the lights on it and they go back and forth. Is that what it is? That Jeez, you, you, you know a lot. <laughs> no, seriously. That is, I play with all kinds of, of things. <laughs> <laughs> you have a bar at home? Um, so... Uh, uh, Taking it down a little bit more organically, how EMDR started back in the 90s um, was 
uh, Francine Shapiro, who is no longer with us, um, started understand, started to notice that when she was processing deeper thoughts, she was really working through something deeply, her eyes were going back and forth that mimicked REM sleep. And she um, started working with her clients using, uh, I don't know if anybody who's just listening can hear this, but I can see this, my hands going back and forth, um, using back and forth hand movements to create that back and forth bilateral back and forth with the eyes. And back then, a lot of the new trauma information was still new, but something was working, something was clearing the system out. Um, then she developed all sorts of protocols and trainings, et cetera. And then it got to the point where sometimes just sitting there with your eyes for a whole session or your hands and eyes back and forth was a little too much on both the eyes and the therapist's shoulder. So there were different kinds of technical things that were developed as a result of that. And the bar was one of them so that you could follow the line on the bar is what you're referring to. Um, I have some, I used to have some hand plug-in things and, um, actually we are developing cordless ones now, cordless stones that do the same bilateral stimulation because we've just, yeah, I mean, just in general, people have discovered that, that, that rhythm, that feeling in your hands or using your eyes like that creates the same process, that bilateral process, um, that the, the bar that you does um and that's and an integration it's an integration so you're processing out things that are stored in your system mm -hmm. uh through the ocular nerves that connect you know through the vagus nerve and you know it, it it can literally process trauma responses out of your system and it leaves you with more room mm -hmm. when you can get those responses out of your system then you can discern what you can be more present you're not responding based on what your central nervous system is registering at the time and by the way it's not that what it's registering is wrong it's registering based on old information right to keep you safe so it's not the enemy <laughs> but so going back to the chakras what i was seeing is i was doing that is that depending upon what we were processing, it was presenting the different chakras. So if someone was processing really early childhood stuff, the root chakra was, the area around the root chakra was really sending messages. So I started listening over the course of like 10 years. I started really listening to this going, oh my gosh, that's that's the root chakra. That's solar plexus. Um, and then one day I went, you know what? There's a book in here. <laughs> yeah <laughs> what am i doing there's a book there's a book about this so i haven't um, seen anything written like this at all out there where it's it's and bringing I, in the physical at this level the nervous yeah. system really which is great well, and i've come to believe just by watching the processing over you know however long i've been doing this about 15 years i've been coming to believe that um based on my own spiritual metaphysical uh, you know, process that I swear it's an inside out job. I think that the messaging that we get in our central nervous system that creates the reality of our world, because we all have mm -hmm. variations on that theme, right? I think that the energy projects outward. And I think that the chakras and of course, eventually the auras, but I didn't get into that in the book. Um, Next book. Project your next book. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Thanks for the idea, Barb. Um, I think I think it projects out the information that we're storing. The chakras also pull information in, but I just I think that we're not we're not a central nervous system. We're not just a brain. We're not just the chakras. We're not just the aura. You know, it's it's all integrated, um, and you can see it when you're actually in on the you know, in the, in the weeds with clients on, on the front line, seeing how this is processing out. Um, so that was I, my answer I, I to, the to the widest chakras the biggest nerve. Mm -hmm. I have to ask this question. I hope it doesn't knock it because I didn't see anything in your book. How much of it um, could be past lives as well? The trauma oh, or, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know we just jumped to, 
a whole different no. place. <laughs> well, that's where we are. We're we're in your podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we get to go there. Yeah. Um, you know, there's um, you know, it depends on who I'm working with. And um, I don't necessarily sometimes I'm not always saying, oh, that's a throat chakra, because some people are like, what are you talking about? And it also takes them out of the the processing, takes them out of being present to the somatic processing. I'm the one tracking it. Not necessarily mm-hmm. that we could talk late. You know, we might be able to talk later as we're, um, you know, reflecting on the session. But some people aren't even open to that. But yes, I think, too, that there are times when we get into what we call implicit memory. Those are those felt memories. They don't have explicit processing. So in other words, explicit is that chronological, oh, this happened on this day, and then this happened, and then this person said that. The explicit memories don't even come online for us until we're like three. Um, But there's interesting implicit. We can go back to utero with EMDR. Um, Oh, wow. I've gone back to in utero where we are just open to the fact that there's no frame of reference other than the fact that my client may be experiencing this in their bodies. And we take that for face value. And there could very well be some times where this is going back to, to past life stuff. I love the, um, I love the Newton Institute work. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Um, I've heard where, about it, but not really. Oh, not enough. Love it. <laughs> yeah. And I, and it's, I have a, a dear friend who was the research director for years. So I, I get like real quick access when I, when we um, have conversations about things, but the Newton Institute focuses on the life between lives. Mm-hmm. and the preparation and that is all done with qualitative research michael newton's no longer with us either but that was all done through his qualitative research through the years um with thousands of cases so he was able to match up in a qualitative way to find the themes um and so you know we if if it helps and if it's appropriate we go there um, we don't yeah. i don't necessarily go there with the premise that this is past life because then it becomes a mental process right we want to go with what is actually occurring in the body because the body is its own compass the body is this to me the body is where the truth actually lies for our our deeper healing in in the book in the beginning of the book you talk about the different um brains basically the three brains and one of the brain brains is already there at birth Yes, yes. And in our higher level brain, that's the one that uh, is a lot of the intuitive. So that's what you use when you're doing readings. Mm-hmm. That starts developing over time as well. So we are all born with a very basic reptilian brain. And that is what connects to, I haven't broken down the branches of the vagus nerve yet, but that connects to the part of our vagus nerve that will shut us down. It's the most ancient branch of our nervous system. And it's very reptilian. I mean, if you think about it, fetuses are very reptilian, right? They're, they're just very much responding to stimuli. Um, Mm -hmm. But over time, our middle brain, the emotional brain comes online. And then our cortex, our, our, our larger uh, conceptual brain goes through a lot of growth spurts. But yes, yeah, so we have a three-tiered brain um, that also responds to our, our vagus nerve as well. I can get into that if you want me to. I can get into the weeds anytime you want me to. <laughs> you want to do? You want to stay at the top of the weeds? <laughs> yeah, I know. Get in, I don't but not lose. too deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, and and it's that's where the the book I was very aware of i wanted to draw people in with this information without getting too scientific and having them feel that they that they didn't have access to this information if that makes sense um so if you look at our vagus nerve just in general we have three branches of it and that first branch i'm talking the ventral vagal it's it's actually the newest branch of you know i can't even remember how many millions of years old i'd have to look at my notes um that is our mammalian mammalian uh, connective uh, part of our safety branch that is connected to our heart, our lungs, our throat, 
our eyes. You and I are engaging in that right now. Even on the screen, we're looking at each other. We're gauging each mm-hmm. other's facial expressions, our, our sound of our voices, which says to us, oh, we're safe. Okay, we're cool. We're in dialogue. We're connecting. If for some reason a lion roared in the background, both of us would jump back into what we call sympathetic, which is, do are we in danger? Are we? Do we have to run? Do we have to, to flee? What's happening? Our system changes. And then we start dropping down from this higher level brain of concepts to emotional brain. Are we, do we have to run? We can't listen the same way. Suddenly, our bodies are responding differently. They're listening more to the environment than the voice in front of them because they're no longer feeling safe. So that's sympathetic branch. And, and then the oldest branch of the nervous system is dorsal. Think dorsal fin, right? Back of mm-hmm. the back of our brain that will shut us down to conserve energy if we are absolutely in terror. And those are those times when, you know, we, it's not necessarily a voluntary thing. I use this in the book, and this is a really great um, overall example of, I've had conversations with, with these young vets, young, I mean, they're kids to me, um, in their 20s who've gone off and, and been in service to our country. And they'll talk about, I'm kind of, I'm not, I'm laughing, but I'm not. They'll talk about, oh my God, the first time that I was in combat, I peed my pants, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was awful. That that wasn't a voluntary response. That was them being trained to run to danger when your central nervous system is saying, what are you doing? And our dorsal vagal wants to shut us down. So it, it's, it releases a lot of things in our system because it's trying to shut us down and trying to conserve energy while, you know, our, our soldiers are running into battle. Mm-hmm. Um, running into danger. So yeah. Running into danger. That's, we're not really supposed to, you know, our central nervous system's not necessarily, well, I guess that would be the fight part of it. Right. I don't think I do that. <laughs> I think I'm a runner. I do the freeze uh, thing. I already told you freeze. that. I'm just like, yeah, you're going to dorsal bagel. You're like, Poof. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really frightening because you just can't think. You can't process it all. You're just frozen right there. You know, and bringing up um, a concept that goes with you hear a lot of women who may have been um, molested or attacked, right? And And people will say, well, why didn't you run? Why didn't you fight? Because your dorsal vagal kicked in and you froze because mm-hmm. your system said, this is the only way to get through this alive. Talk about taking the shame out of a situation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we were talking too on, on um, the, the murders up in Boise of the, of the students. And mm-hmm. one of the people in the house had opened the door and seen the killer. And then just closed the door. And it was hours later that she could, that she even realized that people had been murdered. Her body, her mind just shut it out. And they said mm-hmm. that wasn't unusual for that to happen, for, for yeah. you know, her mind to push it away to the point where she just couldn't have it. And that, right. I can understand that. <laughs> it's survival response. And mm-hmm. we also talked offline about how there, there's your, there's an example of kind of a frame of reference, right? Um, who in the heck spends a lot of time around murders, right? Right. So right. you potentially weren't even registering that this was a, this was actually happening, right? Because you had there was no, no frame place of in your brain that. to put it with, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, no place right. in your brain. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Where you know um, there there's um. I always thought it was shock, but but people who do past lives things, you know, or mm-hmm. life after life, near death mm-hmm. experience, um, I, you know, I call it the slow mo thing. You know, when you're driving along and all of a sudden you go into slow mo, you know you're about to be in an accident and it's not good. <laughs> when the whole oh, so world you're saying like that there's like an in- before an accident. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, what you're you saying. know before. Oh. <laughs> Your body goes into slow-mo. And people I've talked to, you know, interviewed that have done the near-death experience work and research and all, they talk mm-hmm. about slow-mo. I always thought it was shock. And they said, no, it's not shock. It's your your the the world slows down. You slow the world down, I guess. And, wow. um, you know, I just call it slow-mo. In my world, if you see slow-mo, it's not good, not good. <laughs> not good, you know? oh, no. <laughs> not good. <laughs> Something bad's happening. <laughs> and I've had well, it in car know, accidents before the accident, before anything happened. Yeah. I go into was slow-mo it an and I know. An, an intuitive you know, I don't know. I don't wow. know. Well, just, you know, I just grip you know, and hold on and hope for the best because, you know, something's going to happen. I know, slow-mo. Well, and what you're talking about, too, is that, um, which is which relates to trauma processing, processing, is that when, I don't know about the before, but during, when we're in the middle of something, like a big car accident, it's so shocking to the system and our system cannot absorb this completely. Mm-hmm. So um, where you might be uh, reenacting a conversation with a friend where you were laughing and you can tell all the details of somebody else, right? Because you're, again, you're in your, your safety factors of your central nervous system and your brain. When you're suddenly in this big car accident, it's hard for you to just pull in all the details of that because it's it's your body your central nervous system cannot fully pull in this terror right um it's it's suddenly out of just like we're talking about the woman who was the boise murders um Mm -hmm. there's a there's also a sort of disbelief that your system cannot absorb so during the trauma processing something like that there are moments when my client might not have a memory of, I don't know, the car flipping over. She just ended up in an upside down car. So Mm -hmm. you're processing out the responses to that, but there's not going to be a full on um, step-by-step explicit memory about that. If if I'm making sense. And at the same time, I, I swear to God, I thought this was shock. But at the same time, each detail becomes very clear. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's something different. I've got to read about right. that. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and very no emotion. All the motion goes away. It's just, you know. Now, you took, and before we go there, I have to take a break. And then, because I want to talk a little bit about uh, disassociation, which is also part of that. And of course, we've got to get into the chakras. So we'll be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. One thing's for certain. Life is uncertain. Do you navigate the unknowns? Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com to sign up for psychic readings and classes with Barb Crowley. You can schedule one-to-one sessions with Barb for personal and relationship counseling, pet communication, mediumship, career and business direction, or sign up for one of her classes. Everyone has answers through the metaphysical plane, but they need help to access them. Get the help you need today. Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. You are listening to Metaphysics, a view through the veil with Barb Crowley. To reach the live show, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to aviewthroughtheveil at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, uh, this is Barb Crowley, and we are back with C.J. Llewellyn. And we've been talking about chakras and the vagus nerve. Um 
and how they align. So we right before we broke, we I started to go into disassociation and then I stopped it because you'd never have a break. Maybe you'd like that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I did it. <laughs> so we're back. So CJ, do you want to go into disassociation or yeah, and let me explain what dissociation is in, in my world. It's um, it's when we're not completely in our bodies. It's when we are disconnected in some way. Uh, we are feeling overwhelmed. Everybody on some level does it, whether it's coming home and binge watching some Netflix at night because you've had a rough day. <laughs> um, trauma responses generally look um, a lot different depending on the person. And so when a, a person comes in and they're uh, coming to me uh, wanting to do some trauma work, one of the things I assess for is how they dissociate. First of all, even getting them to understand what dissociation is, uh, because, you know, it, like just like we were talking earlier, there are uh, neurophysiological responses that we have that look like or we inter interpret that they are deliberate and they're not. So taking the shame out of it. So dissociation can look like I've, I've heard it explained where you're outside your body looking down at the session. And people have said that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting, I'm looking down at you right now, looking down at both of us. Um, sometimes people describe, yeah, I'm getting smaller in my body. Sometimes people say, well, I'm feeling a little hazy right now. I'm not feeling quite all here. Um, so, so it's, the the way it manifests is a little different for everybody. And so part of the work is getting people to identify when they're not feeling uh, connected um, and and what their particular form of dissociation looks like. I mean, we can get into the more extreme versions of dissociative identity disorder, but I'm kind of staying in the range of um, where we still have, uh, where we don't have amnesic barriers between our, our aspects of ourselves. So dissociation can be, um, you're just a little tired. Uh, sometimes we want to binge because we're feeling like we need to get back in our bodies. Sometimes we do a little bit more extreme things to ourselves as well. So that also plays into what we were talking about, the dorsal vagal uh, nerve as well. And so being aware of what's occurring in our body, being present to what is actually happening and how our body is responding not just what we're knowing in our brain you hear a lot of people sometimes saying well yeah my brain knows this is happening but my body's wanting to do this so there there's a there's work around that just uh education uh around that for anyone all of us um that that's really important too um and so you have exercises <laughs> too to 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 Help yes. This. Yeah. And so it kind of, it, there's, there's always the textbook stuff, but I also try to listen to the person. Mm -hmm. So some people feel very comfortable. Um, my, my old office, I, I don't have it anymore. I do a lot more telehealth right now, but my old office had a, had a lake. And I use an example in the book of how sometimes I would just go out and walk around the lake. This mm -hmm. really works for teenagers, right? the walking and talking or guys, <laughs> there's just <laughs> some built in the walk and talk and you don't have to look directly at the person. Um, so there, there's some of that we're walking around like being in nature is, is a way to really reconnect with ourselves. It's just built into who we are. Um, mm -hmm. We live in these man-made uh, worlds, but when we can get back out into grounding ourselves in the earth, um, that's, you know, there's, there's all sorts of reasons for that too, but that's just the natural way that we connect to the earth. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it really depends on the person. It depends on how they're disconnecting from themselves. I've done the MDR processing where people have been out there while we're processing, hitting and punching, getting back into their bodies because their way of staying, um, safe had to be dorsal vagal shut down, had to be shut down while a really horrible thing is happening. So we can get them moving and feeling com comfortable in their bodies again. And like I said, sometimes while we're actually doing the processing of trauma. So there's different ways to uh, work your way out of it. But really step one is to understand that you're that it's happening to you. And then being able to stretch. 
So this goes in a little bit into the, um, the, the vagus nerve here because when we get ourselves into that dorsal vagal shutdown and we can't move, we're just, our bodies will not move. We can't just jump into ventral vagal. Hi, how are you? Let me connect with you. We have mm-hmm. to kind of slide from dorsal vagal through sympathetic, which is, uh, might feel a little bit more anxious, right? If you're coming out of a dorsal vagal, shut down, you're, you're getting back into your body, maybe your adrenaline's going a little bit before you can work your way back into safety. So we can't just always jump from one to the other. So there's, there's a process um, that, that, that happens when my hands are going back and forth because I talk a lot with my hands, but there's a process of going from dorsal vagal, sympathetic, ventral, uh, et cetera. And, and sometimes we can feel ourselves like you're just described earlier when we're in a safety mode in our ventral vagal branch. Mm-hmm. And then we're dropping back down into sympathetic because, well, what did we just hear? Are we safe? Is that person over there now safe for us? So it it it, it ebbs and it flows within our central nervous system. Um, well, and then the chakras. How did you bring the chakras into... So you're out of body, basically, and, and you know, what's happening with your chakras at this point? So you can't really, if you think about it, when you're not in your body, you're really not attuned to what's going on with that etheric energy. So we have to be present to tap into that more subtle experience, right? If you think about that when you are intuiting, right, when you're doing readings for people, you're in your body, you may be in your body a little differently than when you're grocery shopping, right? You're, you're attuning differently, but you're attuning to aspects of your body. Um, so getting into your body, being aware of where you're experiencing the more subtle realms requires being present. Um, when I kind of, what I, how I break it down in the book is I see that. So, um, there is no better chakra than another. I, I'm, I'm sure you know that. You know, people talk about the lower chakras versus the spiritual chakras. Mm-hmm. We can't be spiritual if we're not in our bodies, where our root chakra is connecting yeah. to the to our bodies, where our sacral chakra might be connecting to the people in the room with us, right? Mm-hmm. Where I see our solar plexus as just that identity, who we are in the world. Um, if we're not connected in that regard, we can't be up here in our third eye. Or if we are in our third eye, we're like like the tree with a very tiny trunk and heavy branches, right? We're going to fall over. <laughs> what a great way to put it. <laughs> yeah. And so, so and, and just, just like the vagus nerve, there may be some up and down flow, right? But for the most part, we have to attune to our bodies physically in order for us to connect on that more intuitive level also and again i broke this down in the book and i don't want to get too too weedy but so the 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 root the sacral and our uh solar plexus chakras are part of that what we call the subdiaphragmatic areas of the vagus nerve where we get into the slower processing get into um information about our physical cells let's just put it that way when we get up into heart chakra throat chakra throat chakra is one of my favorite chakras because it's actually way more complicated than i think we think it is um a third eye and even our crown we are actually having to connect to ventral vagal activity we're having to connect to the safety parts of us we cannot get here if we don't feel safe and, you know, sometimes people will, will breathe and meditate and try to get themselves, if they're wanting to get back into a feeling of calm, thinking that it's solely chakras, we're really, because if you don't have that information, you don't have that understanding, we're really getting ourselves into our ventral vagal dynamic, our safety portion of our vagus, the, the safety branch of our vagus, in order for us to attune in order for us to feel safe enough to utilize heart chakra, throat chakra, third eye chakra, right? The psychic chakras 
we have to feel safe to do that. So that's that ventral mm-hmm. vagal activity. And when you're not safe, you're hyper vigilant. You're you're just you know, yeah. You're in your body, but you're hyper vigilant. You know that's and there's nothing way. wrong with that because your body's trying to keep you safe. Right, you but just it's can't exhausting. do a, a reading, but it's exhausting. <laughs> that's why the knowledge of the vagus nerve in this regard, um, and that's why I again try not to go too in the weeds with my clients until we've had extensive work. Some clients are responding more than others about the actual knowledge of it, but constantly using terms like ventral vagal safety, ventral vagal activity, you know, pulling yourself back into safety mode. Um, that's where we have to be aware. Oh, I, I need to breathe. So with the ventral vagal, um, it, it, because it connects to the heart, right? It's the branch of the vagus nerve that manages our heart rate. It's the thing that slows our heart down. Otherwise, we'd be like a car going down a hill without a brake. Mm-hmm. It's the brake um, in our system when we are able to pull in a breath and slowly exhale. Mm-hmm. We are managing a heartbeat. Our heartbeat starts to become more responsive. You and I talked earlier about how <laughs> when we age, our central nervous system seems to be you know, a little bit crustier. Uh, my, my word, not yours. <laughs> Um, the, the way we can develop more resiliency in our system after we've spent decades having losses and having all the things that life throws at us is to engage that ventral vagal activity a lot more in, into getting our heart rate to a point where it's more manageable through breath, through stretching, through engaging the ventral vagal activity, through basically being around safe people. Right. We're not we're not if we're around drama queens, we're not safe. We can't find a connection with someone who's you know, thrown a lot of drama. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the people who are calm, the people who will listen, the people who are willing to be present to us. We can co-regulate them. Our central nervous system can regulate with their central nervous system. We can't do that around unsafe people. I've got two questions and they're both in completely opposite direction go for it i'll tra- i'll track you <laughs> okay good <laughs> because one of them first of all uh you have to be pretty self-aware to realize that you have gone out to realize okay i, I need to get back in or i need to do what i need to do or like you said the heart to i need to do some deep breathing to calm down again rather than immediately react because mm-hmm. that is our thing to immediately react and not to think, oh, wait a minute, I've got to calm down or I've got to get mm-hmm. a handle on this. So how do you teach people to recognize what they need to recognize to get a hold on it? That's one question. The other one is, as a Reiki master, are you able to feel or watch their chakras exploding <laughs> while they're going in and out. <laughs> these, these well, they don't quite explode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I I have yeah, seen Yeah, pick one. a direction. <laughs> I know which direction I want to go in. I need to write those right. down. I might have to go back Sorry to that, that first. I might, okay. might have to... Um, it's more for me a felt sense when I'm working with them. As a, as a licensed professional counselor, it is within our profession not to touch. Uh, when I am working as a therapist, I it's just it's we it's just not within our profession to be safe and touch. We're we're trained that mm-hmm. way. So a lot of what I'm doing has an intuitive knowledge base to it, but it's also kind of clear, right? You know, someone's mm-hmm. saying, "I'm I don't feel safe. I'm having this pain just down in my groin." Um, so. In that regard, there's an intuiting that's going on, and that t- that that comes when when you've got that connection with the client. When you it's and it, there's an energetic connection about too, right? When we're both co-regulating, when we're both in the zone together, and you could break mm-hmm. that down into etheric energy, polyvagal theory. Um, when we are in the room, when we are in the zone, connected to each other, that's when you can really attune to that. And I do not touch. It's not like a Reiki session at all. Um, 
Wait, what was your other question? (laughs) (laughs) What was my other question? (laughs) Oh, Oh, how do you teach him to recognize? Because like if you pop out of body, it's very hard to to realize you've popped out or or to even get a hand on what's happening. Yeah. So that takes the work. That's the work. I think that's Mm -hmm. the biggest of the work, the biggest of the work. Um, because it's, it's that educational piece. It's that knowledge. It's that awareness of what's happening. Buddha got it right. Mm. Being in your body, being present, being aware, being okay with a little affect dysregulation and breathing through it. Just, these are my words. Um, not, not, but it's being mindful. It's being mindful. Mm. There's the overlay of mindfulness to this. That's. That's, I think, the, the the key piece to, I think, being human is being aware of what's occurring in our in our bodies, tracking ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the real general piece to this, and then then everybody else has their own individual ways of doing that. And I'm not talking about mentalizing; I'm talking about the experience of being connected, being aware. We are so. I just had this conversation with one of my clients. We're just so um. So attuned in our so-called age of reason um, and our Western culture to think that the brain is the only thing that's got it going on. The brain is just one part of the system. The truth comes from the neck down. If we are able to develop an awareness and a presence to it, this is where our truth lies. Our body actually does not lie to us. Now, you know, we can get in battle with it and we can get all sorts of meaning around, you know, I've got to control my body and of course it's more mentalizing, right? Um, it's about being present and about, about being aware. That's why it just doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight. Unless we were blessed with amazing parents who taught us, where are you feeling that in your body? Well, you're feeling sad. Let's, let's connect with that. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know anybody who grew up like that. I would love to tell you I did, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> I don't yeah. know those people either. <laughs> I know they are out there yeah. and they are listening. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah. and, and so our, you know, our kids' generations really, hopefully they're becoming more attuned. I think each generation gets a little bit more emotionally intelligent in that way uh, where they're able to attune a little bit more to our, you know, their bodies. I like to but, think no, that, but I find, I find them to be more out of body than previous generations, you know, that um, I've even wondered if the cutting, you know, how the kids were doing that. Mm -hmm. I think that is over now, hopefully, but the cutting, I always wondered, is that uh, getting in body? Cause your, your, your spirit immediately starts paying attention and and comes back in when something has happened. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so from a polyvagal perspective, um, what happens when you are dissociated and you're in your dorsal vagal shutdown and you cannot feel I have lots of clients. I've worked a lot with, unfortunately, it's not just women, but it's, it's high percentage mm-hmm. of women have cut and mostly te- a good portion of teens. Um, the, the learned mechanism, which is a faulty mechanism is to mm-hmm. do something to harm your body, which again, from a polyvagal perspective, you're taking yourself out of dorsal and you're putting yourself in the sympathetic. The belief is you're starting to feel. Well, yeah, you are starting to feel because now you're in a little bit of more fight or flight. You've taken yourself out of dissociation. But clearly that is not the way to go because that's how you end up in therapy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's when you come see me, right? (laughs) To be frank. Um, You know, it's not actual feeling. It's it's having a a physiological awareness because now you've got cortisol running through your, you know, your blood. You you your your brain is now a little bit more attuned to are we in are we harming ourselves? You know, you get the endorphins, you get all this, you get this chemical reaction. It's not actual emotion. It's now, just what chakra would go response. with that? And how would that chakra be be reacting at that time? That's a really good question. I think that we're really not even into our bodies enough to really be attuned to any of that energy. When we are dissociated that strongly that we then believe 
we have to harm ourselves to get back into our body. Um, I don't know. It's sort of like this little misfire, you know, when, when all the electronics start to go off at once, like mm-hmm. just beeping yeah. all, all over the place. It just feels almost like that. Because when we're attuned to our chakras, we're, we're not, again, well, that's wrong. I was going to say we're not really sympathetic, but we are because we're really feeling it, right? Sympathetic to the solar plexus. That's really mm-hmm. connected to the adrenals, the HPA axis, where we've got all that, you know, messaging. Okay, you got to say and, what the HPA axis is. I know, but most people don't. It is connected to the adrenal glands, which is what keeps us and pituitary gland and the hypothalamus. It, it's sending the signals up and down in our body. It is sending that, that's, that is what engages when we are scared, mm-hmm. right? That's what we are kicking in when the adrenals want to, when the cortisol, when the adrenals want to release the cortisol to make us run. Mm-hmm. Um, so that does get charged up when we are, well, but when we are cutting and say that, like I do it, I'm not, but you know, when anybody chooses to cut because they believe they are misinformed that they're actually feeling something they're just feeling a physiological response in their their bodies so perhaps i don't want to get too i don't want to put that too much in a box but perhaps it is more solar plexus perhaps it is a little bit more root you know you're getting down into the survival of your actual body when you are harming it Mm -hmm. you know you know, when people get into a shower, <laughs> they get into body. You know, people say, oh, my best ideas are in the shower. But I believe, too, that's when your spirit has really come into your body, mostly because what's going on? You know, your spirit where you've popped out and now you're feeling your body again in the shower. I wonder and, if there's a um, metaphysics that goes with the water, too. Mm-hmm. It might be now. What's that chakra? What what chakras have come alive with that? And where does that go with the vagus nerve? You know, maybe that that that's um again like it's not an exact science. It's an experience, mm-hmm. right? And perhaps like many of us, well, many of us, not all of us, because some people have been traumatized in the shower, right? So water on their oh. system is not safe. Yeah, we're not water counting for us, them. We're not counting Well, water them. for us is clearly <laughs> safe. Like yeah. warm water on our backs is probably mm-hmm. really, first of all, we, we're, we're, we're experiencing it, right? We're experiencing what we're, the meaning that we're making in that regard to um, the warmth, right? And the water. So I don't know when I'm thinking of myself in the nice hot shower. I got a lot of, I got a lot of heart chakra and a lot of throat chakra going on during mm-hmm. that time, which means it's ventral and, vagal, right? I'm I'm feeling really safe mm-hmm. in that water. It's it's a very cleansing experience. It's and very, very integrated in a way. As if your spirit, your body, mm-hmm. um, your safety, very integrated. That's what I believe. It's it's an in body thing. Yeah, because your body's safe, right? Mm-hmm. Safer for your for your soul energy to be in your body. What does the um what part of the vagus nerve does the throat chakra go with? As far as and, and the, what happens when you keep negative self-talk? You know, so you've got the world and negative self-talk. To to me, those are two different things. You know, there's the chakra going out toward the yeah. world and the chakra going back toward you. But what well, part of the vagus nerve is engaged? So that is ventral vagal because that 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 is connected to you know that that just connects to the face, the heart, the middle ear. So from a polyvagal perspective, I'm not going to do it. But if I started shrieking right now, you would thank you for not doing that, right? <laughs> You'll freak us all but out. <laughs> we'd all freak out. But do you yeah. understand that when we get that high up, we're no longer safe? If mm-hmm. I don't think I can get that low, but a man's really deep deep, deep, low voice. Also, the the prosody of that doesn't feel safe. So there's a mid range within the throat, right? There's also a lot of connection in the throat with your ears. 
and that is all ventral vagal. That's all me listening to you right now through my my middle ears are doing something a little different because I'm hearing your voice. If there was a siren going down the street, my ears would shift to opening up to hearing environmental sounds because am I safe? Yeah. So the I do tell the story in the book. I have not actually told what professor this is because I haven't discuss this with this professor um the one time i actually saw color in a chakra was fascinating because it was a professor speaking this was you know years ago um and all of a sudden i saw this deep blue coming out of this person's throat up into the because you're on radio, so so you're holding your hand in front of your throat chakra. Holding my hand in front of the throat chakra. I know. Yeah. I, know. Um, I can see myself, I guess. I can, I can see you too. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a bigger um, world than you and I. Yeah, right. It's right. We're all using our middle ear right now yeah. to listen to this. Um, yeah. So, yeah, from the throat into the mouth. And I was seeing this color go up into this person's ears. And cycling back around like a cascade. And I was just like, I'm seeing this person's throat chakra. And it's not this perfectly round, circular, clockwise uh-huh. rotating energy. It's coming into this person's mouth. And what's going on here? And it, yeah, I never fully understood until I started really learning the polyvagal theory and really applying it my clients it's like oh shoot because we have channels we have two channels in our in our um around our throat up into our ears right and it's all connected that energy in this part of our system is all connected mm-hmm. and so it makes sense that and you're talking seeing, both physical and spiritual it, that well, is, it, it's all connected oh it's all connected right <laughs> yeah <laughs> Those things that we experience. And the two channels are both. Yeah. Well, and, you know, there have been, there have been studies um, uh, measuring the chakras, but for the most part, this is a, this is a, an experience, right? That these energies that we experience cannot be measured because we're not quite at a point where we can easily measure them. We'll find the instruments for that one day. But mm-hmm. um, in that regard, there's also the overlay of our choices, right? About how we choose to speak, the tone in our voice and how we choose to speak, um, mm-hmm. the words we choose. I just feel like that, and I do mention this in the book, the throat chakra to me is one of the most powerful chakras because it can harm the most. It's the one chakra that can really harm us. I missed that part. That can what? It's it's the one chakra that can really harm others. It has a lot oh, of see. power. Yeah. yeah. It can it can gossip about others. It can steal people's power with with I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Well, you're right. negative speak it, yeah. with gaslighting with the words we choose, the verbal abuse. And it, what it, we it, tell ourselves. And too. what we tell ourselves. Right. Chakra. Yeah. Yeah. So so this to me is is um this is the one we have to really watch. We have to in a good way, we have to really be aware of what we choose. I mean, you know, when we gossip, we are attempting to steal somebody else's power about that person. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. When we're gaslighting, we're telling somebody, Duh, you don't really feel that right. Uh no, that didn't happen. I didn't say that. even just like joking around saying that it just doesn't feel good it does not feel good Mm -hmm. in my in my jaw it doesn't feel good in my throat so it is that like there's a shift of the soul when you lie you know (laughs) yeah Yeah. i mean it's 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 such a and so it it goes to the psychological as a spiritual that's how i see the overlay right but it goes to this is where your choices lie is in the shock Mm -hmm. You know what, too? I have to use my throat chakra right now to cut us off. <laughs> That's okay. Where I know, you know, I want everybody to know where they can get hold of you. We've run out of time. Um, where they can get hold of you and your book and um, and and 
you know, what you have coming up. Okay. Well, um, let's see what I got coming up. I am um, actually, I'm speaking in June at the Association for Comprehensive Energy Psychology on trauma and attachment processing with chakras to biggest nerve. That's great. Um, Where is that? That's going to be in Baltimore this year. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes they have it out um, in New Mexico at the Tamaya Retreat. I wish you were doing it this year there. (laughs) Closer to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A little road trip would have taken care of it. Yeah. Next year. Um, and so that, that I'm, I'm speaking, um, I have just, this is embarrassing. I've just discovered TikTok. I've just not had much of a reason to be on and I'm actually loving, I'm just doing these sort of random, uh, aspects of trauma kind of videos. And Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a great way to just spread the healing a little bit to say, Hey, this might be happening to you. That's okay. This is what this is. So um, I'm on, I think it's CJ Llewellyn author on, on TikTok. Um, mm-hmm. And I've got a, I've got a Facebook and an Instagram uh, account as well. And um, I, I do have a Twitter account. <laughs> and and we'll goes. have, we'll have all that listed as well. Yes. You yes. know, on, yeah. on my webpage as well. Yeah. So, yeah. and then where can we get your book? I would say probably Amazon or Llewellyn Books is very good at, at distributing to the smaller bookstores. I, I'd also mm-hmm. say that Llewellyn, as a result, is supporting the smaller bookstores. Right. Um, Which are metaphysical books as well as bookstores. Yes. So it's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But you can get it on Amazon as well. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> hey, yeah. Hey, thanks so much for being on. It's been a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Fast. This has been fun. Thank yes, you. thank you, Barbara. I really appreciate you giving me the time to just connect with you and and your your audience. Yeah, it's great. Thanks. Bye bye. Thank you for joining us for Metaphysics: A View Through the Veil. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Barb Crowley, next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy your upcoming weekend.